1: Welcome to the History for Weirdos podcast. My name is Stephanie.
0: And I'm Andrew.
1: And um, this is episode...
0: Number four. Five.
1: Yeah, and Andrew's going to be doing this episode. Um, usually we like to switch off each episode. Mm-hmm. Like I tell one, he tells one. But And I think technically this should be my turn.
0: It should be your turn, yeah. but you had a special one coming up. Yeah. Should um, we tease them or should we just let them be in suspense? We'll
1: do a slight tease in okay. that it's going to be... I really wanted to do uh, the Valentine's Day episode special we're doing. Yes, Valentine's yeah. Day. So that'll be the one coming out after this. Um, but in the meantime, Andrew's got a really cool, uh, weird history story for us about nuclear war.
0: It's about, it does have to do with nuclear war, but, and more specifically about the men who prevent a nuclear war. Oh, And, wow. yeah, it's, it, this is pretty, you know, these were, these, they literally saved the world.
1: Uh, I guess you'll tell me. I was like, wait, both <laughs> at the same time or in no, separate No, th- no, this is
0: completely separate instances. Okay. And this is what's, you know. A little bit scary about nuclear warfare, nuclear bombs, is Mm -hmm. that at any moment, you know, we're minutes away from complete and utter annihilation.
1: Ah, this is such a (laughs) cheerful episode already. (laughs) Thank you for lifting us up, babe. Happy Monday, everyone. Happy
0: Monday, you know. (laughs) You're just moments away. Actually, but, you know, sometimes um, I can personally attest, and I think a lot of people can attest, maybe nuclear warfare is better than your job.
1: Oh, my gosh. I think that's very subjective.
0: It's very subjective, <laughs> yeah. of course. And, you know, lighthearted joke.
1: But go ahead and tell me more about the two men who prevented nuclear war.
0: Absolutely. So before I go into these two guys, mm-hmm. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. So we're, to kind of fully understand these two men, mm-hmm. um, We're gonna. I'm going to give you a little bit of background about the history of the Cold War. Okay. So just very quickly. Yeah, some context. Some context. The Cold War started in... in Pretty much the immediate aftermath of World War II. Um, a lot of historians agree that it's ni- the years 1947 is when it starts. Okay. The Western Bloc, headed by the United States and Western Europe, versus the Eastern Bloc, which is mainly the USSR and its puppet states throughout Eastern Europe. Okay. Um, during this time, and then you know that lasted from 1947 to 1991. And mm-hmm. wow, yeah, so a really long time.
1: And can you explain? Mm-hmm. Just give, like, a, a definition in your own words why it's called a Cold War or the Cold yeah, War. Yeah,
0: so it was basically a war of ideas of, like, capitalism mm-hmm. on, you know, and the free market, you mm-hmm. know, more or less on the Western Bloc versus communism on the Eastern Bloc mm-hmm. with the USSR. Okay. So, and, and you know, it was a Cold War in that, like, the U.S. and the USSR never fought each other directly. hmm Partly because we couldn't; it would be the end of the world. We both right. had nuclear weapons. Right. Um, you know, the USA had nuclear weapons even before the start of the Cold War, and then in you know 1949, the Soviet Union developed nuclear weapons.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is like really modern warfare, modern problems to have. Is that exactly. if, if if like a combat situation were actually initiated, it would actually look like. Complete and utter destruction of the human race.
0: Yeah, so mm-hmm. they couldn't really do that. Yeah. So instead, they developed, sure. you know, there were prox- what are called proxy wars, essentially. You uh-huh. know, the Vietnam War is probably the most famous example of this, sadly right. enough, where right. the US and the US was directly involved. The Soviets weren't, but the Soviets had, um, you know, their allies where they essentially prop them up to fight the USA, right? So mm-hmm. in, in this case, it was the Viet Cong.
1: Right. Yeah. So devastating. devastating it was devastating. War. And
0: then, you know, in the early 80s, um, the USA helped out essentially where the, the beginning of the Taliban to mm-hmm. fight the the Soviets in Afghanistan.
1: Wow. So that's all connected.
0: Exactly. It's all right. connected. And then, of course, you know, we have the term blowback where the Taliban didn't eventually become our friends yeah. in the end. Yeah. Of so, course. Exactly. It's super
1: interesting context and really important to remember how. All of these seemingly disjointed events are really part of a larger issue. Exactly.
0: In fact, there was a young man uh-huh. uh, who was part of the. He wasn't part of the Taliban, but he was a mujahideen, you know, rebel against uh-huh. the the Soviets um, by the name of Osama bin Laden, who was wow. who was That's given crazy. weapons by you know the United States federal government.
1: That's. That's a whole nother story. That's, I know. We yeah. can go
0: into that. That, that's, I feel like, crazy. maybe deserves its own episode. Yeah.
1: That's absolutely crazy. So... So you've given us the context. That's
0: to get a little bit of the context mm-hmm. behind this the whole Cold thing. Cold War. So Got the it. Cold War. So there's... And there was probably a lot of men or and women mm-hmm. that stopped, like, nuclear warfare from happening. Mm-hmm. However, I chose these two men for two main reasons. One, because... You know, from an American perspective, yeah. we probably focus a lot more on Americans than we do on you know on Russians or <laughs> on, like
1: or on anyone else. In the yeah, world.
0: or really anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Americans and <so> love America. <laughs> I really wanted to highlight these two Russian <clears throat> men who mm-hmm. were you know who were heroes. Yeah. They were tank They were on the other side. Yeah. From you know the quote the, unquote
1: other side. The quote unquote <laughs> other yeah. side.
0: Yeah. And but they stopped. You know they and they had rational heads and they stopped the world from annihilation.
1: That's awesome.
0: So they yeah, two very different men um, in two different times actually. Okay. Yeah. Separated by decades. Wow. Yeah. Interestingly enough,
1: I really like that you're taking us out of the like American centric focus. Exactly. That we, you know, all of us who are here in the U S have just lived in exactly forever. It's nice to, it's nice to think about others. Yeah,
0: seriously. <laughs> and then also the second reason is just because, well, It's kind of almost really the the same as the first reason. Is that, like, I just wanted to, um, I wanted, I picked these two guys because we don't know a whole lot about them.
1: Unsung heroes.
0: Unsung heroes. They truly are. I mean, they've gotten a little bit more attention in the last, you know, couple decades. Mm -hmm. But, you know... You know, besides like maybe a movie here or there, like, you know, people don't really know about these guys. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we just need to talk about them.
1: So, what's weird in this story is how little Mm -hmm. we know about it, about each of them. Exactly. Okay, cool. Start us off with the first one.
0: So, without further ado, let's get into guy numero uno. Uh huh. So, first man we have, his name is Vasily Arkhipov. Okay he's a Soviet Navy officer credited with preventing a Soviet nuclear strike and presuming all-out nuclear war during the Cuban Missile Crisis oh, so sad. 1961 if my memory serves uh-huh. a little bit about him so it's, it's kind of cool he didn't come from money or anything he was born to a peasant family in 1926 mm-hmm. and then educated um, at a naval school like okay. straight you know in I think what would be equivalent are like elementary or middle school.
1: Wow. Yeah. So he's so young.
0: I don't know if it was, you know, forced or he wanted to do that. Uh-huh. But
1: or if it was common practice.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And he actually participated in even in world war two towards the end. Mm-hmm. He must've been really young.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And, and also, you know, it was, I think it must've been in the last month or so because he was part of the Soviet Japanese war.
1: Oh, okay. which literally
0: lasted like a month. Yeah. It was the last month of world war two. Um, in 61, though, he was appointed as deputy commander of a nuclear submarine called the K-19. Okay. Which is a movie uh-huh. i think, bullied with Harrison Ford. Really? Yes. Oh,
1: I've never seen it. Yeah. And so have you seen it?
0: I don't think I have, actually. Well, now
1: we have to watch it. Now
0: we're going to have to watch it, okay. yeah. Okay. So, and what's crazy is, like, so this is before, like, what he's really known for. Uh-huh. But... He made the news when he and his crew were forced to jerry-rig the nuclear core of their submarine because it was going into full-blown meltdown.
1: Oh yeah, I have heard of yeah, this. Yeah, so uh-huh.
0: like I think yeah, and that's it's a famous story in of yeah. itself. Um, wow, and, I know pretty crazy, right? Yeah. So he, I mean, and when it was going in full meltdown, I don't think it would have. Triggered a nuclear explosion, Mm -hmm. but it would have leaked, like, tons of nuclear, like, material into the water and then obviously killed everyone on board. Yeah. Um, And it would have been a a complete environmental disaster. Of
1: course. The repercussions of that would last decades. Decades. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe even 100 years. Who Uh knows? Honestly, I don't know. So... You know, sadly enough, at least two dozen of the crew, including Vasily, were exposed to Mm. radiation. And, unfortunately, many of these soldiers died within a month of the incident. Obviously, our boy Vasily did Mm -hmm. not, but...
1: (laughs) Yeah, or else we wouldn't be talking about him. We wouldn't be talking about him. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But, you know, unfortunately, you know, other sailors did die,
1: Mm.
0: sadly enough. And it's not an easy way to go, radiation poisoning.
1: Wow. Yeah, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I bet.
0: It's... But... His biggest accomplishment uh-huh. is yet to come. Is
1: yet to come is after to come. all of that.
0: So we're going to fast forward to October 27th, 1962. So okay. Cuban Missile Crisis is in 1962, not 1961, as I said. Oh, okay.
1: Said. 1962.
0: 1962. Uh-huh. So this is during the Cuban Missile Crisis. One. This is probably maybe the closest we've ever gotten to full-blown nuclear war right. in the history of humanity.
1: Mm.
0: Pretty crazy. Um... You know the essentially just to give a really quick background on the the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, um, Soviet submarines were coming into the Bay of Havana in mm-hmm. Cuba, and we had the U.S. had warships like just on outside like on international waters, mm-hmm. basically blockading it, saying no, mm-hmm. you can't, because we knew that they were establishing, establish, establishing. <laughs> I can't speak correctly. Uh-huh. Um. Like basically nuclear sites, and which which is like a hundred miles off the coast of Florida, right? Which right, the right. U.S. was like, no,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You can't do that. Too you close. can't do that. Mm-hmm.
0: So Vasily is now the flotilla com- commodore in charge of like the few submarines in the area, mm-hmm. and this is important later on. Okay. Um, the submarine he's on is cruising along, and the U.S. Navy starts dropping depth charges. What's that? So a depth charge is when it, it's kind of just what it sounds like. The um, it's like when boats will like drop kind of delayed bombs. Oh. So they'll shit. sink through the water. And then uh-huh. like once they reach a certain depth or or, or they've dro- been dropping for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. they explode.
1: Wow. So it's
0: to combat submarines. Okay. And it's to like kind of like either combat or like say you can't come here. Right. Don't come here. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Uh-huh. So,
0: um, and, you know, and I don't think the U.S. was actually trying to start a war here um, to – they were How just trying to divert it. I know, right? <laughs> You're trying. I mean, it's like, oh, this guy, we can't, you know, this isn't some like little power that we can beat up on. This is
1: yeah. straight
0: up like another nuclear power. Yeah. So we have to give them a little bit of respect. Mm-hmm. They're dropping these death charges, though, to kind of divert its path away, mm-hmm. you know, instead of going straight into the port and make it turn around. Okay. And so, um, and so the, this causes the sub, though, to dive further down uh-huh. into the water and because of the depth, though, that they're at, they can't receive any transmissions from the surface anymore. So they're completely cut off from Moscow, uh-huh.
1: and so they don't know what's going on. Nothing with the other subs are like up above. Wow.
0: Yeah, they. I mean, and also right now that's
1: tensions scary. are high. Yeah, that's but, so scary.
0: Yeah, it's really scary. Uh huh. I I would. I'm glad I didn't live through this time. This must have been terrifying.
1: In general. Being on a submarine sounds scary to me, (laughs) let alone during the Cold War, and then getting all of your communication completely cut off. Yes. That sounds like a horror movie.
0: When tensions are the highest they've probably ever been during the Cold War, and ever will be.
1: Right. Right. Ever will be.
0: It's pretty nuts, to Mm -hmm. say the least, and Mm -hmm. that doesn't even begin to describe it. (laughs) (laughs) So... And also by this point, to to further make matters worse, like they hadn't heard from Moscow in days, even prior to diving down. So they're like, what's going on? Is Moscow just completely obliterated had there been already nuclear war? Right. They didn't know. Right. And because like also you have to know like at this time, like tensions are, again, tensions are so high that like anything could happen. Anything could happen. And people are probably not thinking rationally at this point.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely not.
0: Yeah, there's no way people are talking or thinking rationally and right. making the best decisions possible.
1: Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, two world powers even have nuclear <laughs> war on the table is already going to make, like, reason fly out the window. Yes. When it comes to decision making. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. This, sounds, this is very stressful.
0: It is. Yeah. I, I mean, just reading it is stressful. And yeah. I'm not even there. <laughs> I, wasn't even, I wasn't even born. Like, I think my parents were, like, Height, they're like infants at this little point. Little babies. Yeah, little babies. That's crazy. I know. So this was a while ago because they're old.
1: Right. Super old. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Sorry, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, many of the crew, including the captain and what they called a political officer, uh-huh. thought that the nuclear war had already broken out, kind of like right. I mentioned. Right. So, and the political officer... They just
1: jumped to the worst case scenario. Exactly. It's already started.
0: And also what's stupid is like they have like a political officer is someone uh-huh. who who ranks pretty highly and uh-huh. can make decisions and is basically, they're just there to ensure that like Soviet and communist ideals are like, are upheld within like the military.
1: That's so interesting. So it's like, they're, do we have something, have we had something similar like that in the American uh, military?
0: Not that I'm aware of, um, but doesn't mean that, you know, it, it didn't exist at some time.
1: Right, or formally or informally. Exactly. What an interesting position. Dude. I know. It's a little, it's too dogmatic, I'd say. It's
0: really dogmatic.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah especially because, like, a lot of these guys don't aren't military men themselves. Right. So they're just there, like, spouting off bullshit, like, you know? Like, their,
1: their political ideals, which <laughs> yeah. in wartime feel like bullshit.
0: Yeah, and it's like, okay, Absolutely. why don't we just, like, try to, like, not, you know, be the aggressors, and let's just try not to, like, have our men killed. Yeah, that's kind of like step plan. one, step you know, one. let's not die. then let's worry about your life, you know, political garbage like later on. Exactly. I know, it's nuts. So the captain, Valentin Grigorovich Savitsky, wanted to launch a mm-hmm. nuclear torpedo at the U.S. Navy ship. Holy! So shit. kind of overkill, first of all. Wow. Yeah, like it's talk he,
1: about trigger happy. Yeah,
0: that's trigger happy big time. It's like, yo. Not just a, you know, torpedo, torpedo, a nuclear torpedo at just one ship.
1: Holy
0: crap. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in order to do this, uh-huh. thank God, they needed the political officer and Vasily's approval to do so. Okay. What's interesting about the situation is since Vas- uh, Vasily, our uh-huh. boy, yeah. was on the ship, he technically didn't outrank the captain in terms of... The like being on board, okay. but he was like kind of the fl- flotilla commodore, mm-hmm. so he was in charge of the flotilla. So like the captain can make decisions about the ship, but mm-hmm. since Vasily was on the ship, he need in order to What's launch
1: flotilla. the flotilla, Sorry, the flotilla
0: no. is just uh, like a group of like either ships or submarines.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, like the fleet.
0: The fleet. Yeah, I mean it was. Just, it's small. It's only uh-huh. a few. Okay. And so. Usually, the captain only needs the political officer and himself, obviously, to mm-hmm. launch this nuclear. So.
1: What do you think? I think yes.
0: I think yes. Yeah. What do you think? Yes. I think yes. yes. Okay, so let's quiet, launch. Quiet, quiet. 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 <laughs> and I don't know why we were British there for a second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On a Russian submarine.
0: And Vasily was like, no. Yeah. This is a terrible idea.
1: Yay, Vasily. Vasily,
0: our boy and hero, yeah, refused and essentially just would not back down, mm-hmm. advising that they need to have cooler heads. So literally, like, cooler heads prevail is Uh so accurate in this, like, situation.
1: Absolutely. You don't just launch off nuclear shit just because you feel like maybe this is the right move.
0: Yeah, he's like, you know what, guys? Instead, why don't we do this? Maybe let's, like, turn back a little bit, resurface, contact Moscow, see what to do.
1: That's a really good idea. And
0: thank God. Right. Thank you, God, I can't believe Vasily
1: Vasily was alone in this thought. He was yes. the weirdo in this situation. He was the weirdo. Like, what do you mean, Vasily? Don't you want to, like, nuke this ship for fun?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, nuclear war happens, nuclear war happens, like, but, whatever, you know, Whatever. because yeah,
1: that that one action would have incited...
0: <laughs> Everything. It would have incited full-blown... I mean, maybe not. It maybe if...
1: It like, how do you think the U.S. would have reacted well, to that? I
0: best? mean, it certainly wouldn't have been good. Yeah. I can't imagine, like... We would have had some sort of strike. I don't know if it would have been full blown nuclear strike or like just one tactical strike. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, the threat of nuclear war would have been like vastly higher. Right. Even mm. like even in this situation where it was pretty high.
1: Mm hmm. It's so scary.
0: So, the aftermath mm-hmm. after this happened, mm-hmm. immediately upon return to Russia, many crew members were faced with disgrace from their superiors. Weirdly enough. Okay. I, uh, yeah. They were
1: disgraced? Yeah.
0: Let me get in. Like, one admiral told them, it would have been better if you had gone down with your ship. <laughs>
1: Dude,
0: these people are nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's like... No, man. Like, no, this is maybe... My-
0: I don't know, like, everyone survived, we didn't launch a nuclear war, like... I think I, did I, a good job. I think that's a win. Yeah. That's a win in my book.
1: Wow. What? It just speaks so much to the culture, and speaks so much to the culture that Vasily spoke out against. Yeah. So that's, cra- that's crazy. I know. Mm-hmm.
0: I know, it really is. So, in fact, Olga, mm-hmm. Arkhipov's wife, Olga. so our boy Vasily Arkhipov's mm-hmm. wife, even said that he didn't, like, talk about it he felt oh. that he they didn't appreciate what they had gone through like they as in like the high ranking like um military right. in moscow. Mm-hmm. And they probably didn't I definitely don't think they did. No,
1: I don't think they gave a, a crap to be honest. I don't think no. they were being empathetic at all. They, they were... would
0: rather look good. Right. than and lose I don't know dozens, hundreds of men.
1: Wow. Human lives. Yeah. Your countrymen, you're the people that you're in charge of keeping safe.
0: Reminds me of that one line in 1917. Great movie, oh, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Where the, yeah, where if you
1: all if you all haven't seen it, beautiful, beautiful movie. Absolutely. We we just saw it recently, like kind of late, and I absolutely loved it. It was stressful, but it was, it was really stressful, good. but it was beautiful. Uh
0: huh. The basically the main character runs into a high ranking military official on his team, and mm-hmm. he says to the kid, make sure you have witnesses when you, you know, give the order, essentially um, relay the order from the general to this colonel to call off an attack because Mm -hmm. some men just want the fight.
1: Right. Some men just want the fight.
0: Yeah, even in the face of certain annihilation.
1: That's so, yeah.
0: So, and I think, I think that quote really applies here.
1: Yeah, I think it applies to unfortunately so many instances of of war yeah. in human history, it's certainly in American history. So, yeah. but it, it's interesting to see that sort of vicious disregard for human life yeah. portrayed in, in another military as well.
0: Yeah. It's not like a uniquely American experience. Yeah. It's a human experience. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Back to the story, each captain was required to present a report of the events during the mission to the Soviet defense minister, Andrei Greco, Mm -hmm. or Gretschko. Gretschko, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, who cares?
1: Uh Gretschko
0: was infuriated with the crew's failure to follow the strict orders of secrecy after finding out they had been discovered by the Americans. Yeah, because fuck them, right? (laughs) Like. Ugh. The
1: strict orders of secrecy.
0: Yeah, I don't even know. Like one officer even noted Gretchko's react- reaction, uh-huh. stating that he, upon learning that it was the diesel submarines that went to Cuba, mm-hmm. removed his glasses and hit them against the table in fury, breaking them into small pieces and abruptly leaving the room after that. Oh shit! So, so you're and mad. It, exactly uh-huh. in 2002, retired commander uh, Vadim. Pavlovich Orlov, Mm -hmm. a participant in the events, held a press conference revealing the subs were armed with nuclear torpedoes and that Arkhipov was the reason those devices had not been fired. So this guy was like, it was him. It was this guy. He was the reason, you know, we are still alive today.
1: Wow. In 2002? That was
0: 2002. So this is like, this is a full-blown decade after the Soviet Union had already fallen. fallen. So but when, that
1: that secrecy was like like paramount to them.
0: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It
1: was like a cult, a cult of secrecy. It really
0: was. Mm-hmm. So, and when discussing the Cuban Missile Crisis again, also in two thousand two, mm-hmm. um, the, the U.S. Defense Secretary at the time, Robert McNamara, mm-hmm. stated that we, and this is direct quote, "We came very close to nuclear war, closer than we knew even at the time." <laughs> So and Arthur M. Schlesinger Jr., an advisor for JFK's administration and uh-huh. a historian, continued this by stating, "This was not only the most dangerous moment of the Cold War; it was the most dangerous moment in human history."
1: And he's not exaggerating.
0: No, this guy is not exaggerating.
1: He's a historian as well. He's a
0: historian and was part oh, of the me. JFK administration.
1: Wow. So
0: you know who was the president at right. the time? So mm-hmm. he was. So he knows
1: what he's talking yeah, about.
0: Yeah, he was. He was high up. Um, Wow. So, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I just want to take a moment here to really give some thanks to Vasily Arkhipov. Because Um, if it wasn't for him, you know, I might not be alive. None of us here might not be alive listening to this podcast.
1: From Because I think that's so beautiful because it reminds us that we always have a choice.
0: Always. No matter
1: how hard it is, no matter who you're up against. Like, it must have been so hard for him to say to those two other... Men, very powerful men, like, no. Yeah. You need my yes, and I'm not going to give it to you because it's not worth the the human lives and the repercussions that are going to come of it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's a, I could not agree with you more.
1: His his weirdo aspect was his <laughs> total heroism.
0: Yeah, he was a weirdo. He I was a weirdo, it. but in the Vassili. best sense. silly
1: What's his full name again? Vasily Arkhipov. Arkhipov. Thank you so much. So we could be here... Sitting at my parents' kitchen table telling the story. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're
1: here alive to tell the tale because of Vasily.
0: Thank you, Vasily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, moment of thanks to Vasily. but now moving on to numero two.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> numero two? A <laughs>
0: little Spanglish there. I don't know why I did that. We did British accents, Spanglish. What's next?
1: Just global citizens, that's why. Global,
0: that's right. <laughs> So, this is uh, guy number two. uh Uh-huh. His name is Stanislav. Ye- oh, man. His middle name's hard. Yevgravovich Petrov. Okay. I'm just going to call him Petrov from now on. Mm hmm. Uh, he was a lieutenant colonel of the Soviet Air Defense Forces who played a key role in the 1983 Soviet nuclear false alarm incident.
1: Soviet nuclear false alarm incident? Yes. That sounds so scary.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. So, this guy. Um, he was born in 1939, so mm-hmm. you know, same year that World War II broke out, and his parents were part of the the war effort against Nazi Germany. Mm. His father was a fighter pilot, and his mother was a nurse. Oh, how so cute. just I think very, you know,
1: that's like traditional, so, yeah, quintessential what you think of people doing at that time. Exactly, and falling in love, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, we don't know a whole lot about his early childhood, mm-hmm. but later on, we do know that he enrolled at the Kiev Higher mm-hmm. Engineering. Radio Technical College at the uh, of like the so- Soviet Air Forces, and after graduating in 1972, he joined the Soviet Air Defense Forces. Mm-hmm. And in the early 70s, he was assigned to the organization that oversaw the new early warning system intended to deflect or, or detect, excuse me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: ballistic missiles attacks from NATO countries. Wow! So basically, just making sure that you know monitoring the skies essentially That's for a
1: super important job. Yeah.
0: That must be stressful.
1: <laughs> that yes. Like you know, we've all had the experience where we're at a job, even if it's like serving food and people act like you're freaking like saving the world. Like part of his job was literally to save his country. Yes. To keep keep an eye out to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah. Wow.
0: Pretty nuts, huh? I can't
1: imagine the pressure.
0: I know. So That was his job. He wasn't necessarily, like, a strict military man. Mm -hmm. He was more of, like, I think, an engineer.
1: More of a man of science. Yeah, exactly. Uh
0: But I think just out of necessity, he was officially part of... He, I don't know, it's like this weird gray area where he wasn't necessarily military, yeah. but he wasn't, like, full-blown civilian either. Yeah. I think he leaned more on the civilian side, was still, but, though, under the branch of the military. Yeah,
1: probably just to perform his job had to have, like, high military clearance.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. It must have been, like, very high.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, The event. The event. The event. September 26, 1983. So we're, again, we're still in the Cold War. Right. This is decades so, after the Cuban Missile Crisis. So long. But it
1: was chilly for yeah. a long time.
0: Chill. And it was yeah. not like chill. <laughs> no,
1: not chill. Like the opposite of yeah,
0: chill. Yeah, it was chilly, not chill. Mm-hmm. And Petrov was on duty this day, again, September 26, 1983. Okay. And he was at the command center for the OCO, OCO? Oko. Oko? OKO. Nuclear early warning system, when the system reported that a missile had been launched from the U.S., followed up by up to five more. What? So, in total, up to six missiles being what? fired from the U.S. Again, early warning system. Uh-huh. However, though, at this point, he disobeyed Soviet like standard operating procedures or, in- or instructions uh-huh. and reported this as a false alarm immediately. Thus... Um, preventing an erroneous retaliatory nuclear strike against NATO countries. So no what? biggie.
1: So it sounds like, and I don't know if you know this, but tell me if, if I'm correct. It sounds like to have received a warning signal like that, like the the immediate like standardized reaction was to just also strike NATO countries.
0: Yes, immediately. Like,
1: don't ask questions.
0: Don't ask questions. Just fire back. Fire nuclear missiles back.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay, I wonder why did he say it was a false alarm.
0: He later. It's funny because I'm literally about to say that. Oh, look at that! Look oh, at that. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he later stated that the reason he knew this was a false alarm uh-huh. was due to the fact that if the U.S. did initiate a nuclear strike, it would have been all out. It would have been not six missiles. It would have been what? Far many. That's
1: more. okay. Like probably true. But what a freaking split-second decision to make. Yeah. He's betting on his gut right there. He
0: is. It's kind of crazy. And also, he was like, you know what? This system is brand new. Mm -hmm. So it is prone to errors. And he knew that. Like, and it was convinced, he was immediately convinced that like this is an error.
1: He didn't let fear take over his decision making at all. He was like, let's be reasonable, let's be logical. Which I guess, like you said just earlier, he's more of a man of science...
0: Exactly. ...than a
1: military man. Right. Not and that there's anything wrong with being a military man, but I mean, he's so trained to think things through before acting.
0: Exactly. And like in the military, I think, you know, I mean, I think just from our dialogue, we're, we're sounding like we're, you know not in like favor anti-military. Like, yeah, anti-military that's no. like far from the case i work with veterans yeah my, yeah, she works with veterans yeah. so that's not the case at all <laughs> <laughs> i just think they're very two different skill sets right in the yes. military you need to react like of to course. survive mm-hmm. and like you know making those split second decisions is like literally you know the life difference between life and death mm-hmm. exactly whereas him you know he can he has a little bit of time he's a man of science and right. he's like you know what we need to like analyze this and before, before making we, things worse exactly
1: That's awesome.
0: Pretty nuts. And so what's interesting is that, like, I mean, why this was an error, apparently it's incredibly rare. Oh, my God. So, and he did, the fact that he knew this is, is amazing. So
1: this little, like, technical error could have absolutely altered human history forever, could have destroyed so many lives. Yes. If this man didn't just know, like, no, this is wrong. Exactly. And trust his gut. Exactly. Trust your gut, friends. Your the, intuition knows what's up. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: The official reason, a rare alignment of mm-hmm. sunlight on high-altitude clouds above North Dakota, what? which, you know, are, I think, probably a lot of nuclear missiles were, or oh, silos yeah. were,
1: yeah, of course. or are, I don't uh-huh. know,
0: and the Molnin, I don't even know how to pronounce this word, the Molninoya <laughs> orbits of the satellites, oh, an error later corrected by cross-referencing a geostationary satellite. It just sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo to me. But so it's
1: like it was super cloudy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that what that means? It was I really think cloudy, so. and the sun was hitting the clouds in a funny way.
0: Yes, and it was reflecting that sunlight back to like non-stationary satellites.
1: Okay, non-stationary. I satellites. think
0: to put it that's oh my God. that's the best we'll get. You know,
1: I'm a social worker; my brain can't handle this. <laughs>
0: yeah. So like, and the thing, okay. So he's again, he saves the world, more uh-huh. or less. Maybe, you know, it wasn't quite as, like, profound as our boy Vasily earlier. Right.
1: Who, like, truly made the... De- I mean, they both, they made, both made hard bl- decisions. Exactly. And they both went against the grain mm-hmm. to do it.
0: They both went against protocol. And they both wow. were, like, you know, they're rebels.
1: Yeah. In a,
0: in a sense. And...
1: Uh-huh.
0: The, but, and again, like, the thing that pisses me off about this... Right. He was never rewarded.
1: No one said thanks?
0: No, like, I don't, he was, <laughs> he didn't get anything. He didn't get any sort of accommodation, no financial war, of course, and yeah. then, not, and not even a pat on the back.
1: No one sent him, like, a lovely thank you card in a muffin basket, even? Yes.
0: You know what, and in fact, you know what's crazy? So this happened in 1983. Mm-hmm. The public didn't even know about this until 15 years later, when in 1998, mm-hmm. a high-ranking ex-Soviet general released his memoirs. Oh, shit. And before this release...
1: I bet that would be super interesting to read.
0: Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I should definitely read that. Uh Uh-huh. And what's really sad about this whole thing, too, is before this information was released, our boy, Mm -hmm. Petrov, had suffered a complete mental breakdown. No! And was made a scapegoat for this event. No! Yeah. So not only did the Soviets not give him the credit that was so deserved... Uh Uh-huh. They made him a scapegoat what for did, some reason. What did they say? Because, like you know, the it was an error, right? Mm-hmm. So they and someone it on had him? to be blamed, and it's him for like the one who corrected the error, who found out the error. No, so and in, and I literally wrote in my notes, uh, such BS. Yeah, and I want to say this out loud like a couple of times. That is such BS.
1: Can I ask what was the um, series of events? Did they blame him for the error that he corrected, and then he had a mental breakdown, or had he had a mental breakdown so they took advantage of that and made him the scapegoat? No,
0: I think he he had the mental breakdown after this. Oh,
1: that's so and, sad.
0: And then it just further solidified, you know, their standing. And I put right. that in like air quotes. Yeah. That you know he was the reason for this.
1: Oh my so, god, that's so. Vicious,
0: but there is a silver lining to all of this. Okay, good. In the 2000s, he started receiving lots of awards mm. for his, like you know, his actions and his heroism and
1: and his like intelligence.
0: Yes, and even uh, was recognized in a movie titled mm-hmm. "The Man Who Saved the World." Oh, this was later on. This was, I think, it was like some European filmmaker back in like 2013. I want to say. Not entirely was sure. Was Petrov
1: still alive? He was still
0: alive. So oh. he saw this. He died shortly after that came out. But at least he saw that wow. people, his name was out there. He was recognized. Wow. And finally given some credit for this.
1: You know, and it's not even necessarily like in that situation, like you're, you're doing it for credit or he asked for credit. But to, even if he had never been acknowledged, that sucks. But mm-hmm. to have been blamed.
0: Exactly. That
1: would drive anyone insane. That would... Be so demoralizing and feel so isolating. I'm I'm so happy that he got to see people acknowledging his truth. Right. That he wasn't just painted as this idiot bad guy.
0: Exactly. And oh, my f- God. I know. It just... I, I cannot believe, though... Like... What like I mean, just like the type of behavior that that their command essentially Mm -hmm. is promoting is just to be an idiot Mm -hmm. and is to not (laughs) make the right choice. Yeah, like with their you know with their actions against yeah, like
1: act first, think later.
0: Yeah, like our boy start nuclear
1: war, like whatever.
0: Yeah, like our boy Petrov literally saved you know the world, Mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, we're gonna blame you for technical glitches that aren't even your fault to begin with.
1: Mm. In my clinical opinion. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, I would love to hear this.
1: <laughs> In my clinical opinion, people suck.
0: Yeah, people do suck. <laughs> but he, people really freaking suck. Wow. Yeah.
1: But I'm so glad that I, I personally, like Andrew and I don't, we tell each other like a little bit like, oh, I'm going to probably do this story for, for this episode, but we don't know the story that the other's going to reveal. Right. And I'm so glad you did this because I had never heard of either of these men. And I'm sure so many people haven't, even though, you know, like the media seems to have picked up on it a little bit, the more we can talk about them and the more we can praise thinking and yeah.
0: And rational decision-making and
1: caring about human lives, the better. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome, babe. I know. That was a really good one.
0: I know, Crazy, right? Like, that yeah. we should, like, honor people who save the world, who are, like, care about others.
1: Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> well, that's why we're weirdos, friends.
0: That's why we're weirdos. And, and they were our two weirdos for the week.
1: Oh, I love that. Say, their, say both of their names okay, one more Okay, so the
0: first guy is Vasily Arkhipov. Mm-hmm. And our second guy was Stanislav, saying his middle initial, Y, Petrov.
1: Yay. Thank you both.
0: Thank you guys for saving the world.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I think that's all I have.
1: That was really good. I know. Thank you for telling us that story, babe.
0: Of course. I'm glad to share those. I mean, that was, uh, they deserve it. They deserve so much more, but that's the least I could do.
1: Also like a final thought is whenever we talk about like war heroes, it's always very I mean we love explosions and Michael glamour. Bay movies. Yeah, and like glamour and things sounding really exciting. Mm-hmm. And these were such like subtle moves, but they are war heroes. They're like humanity heroes.
0: Humanity heroes, yeah. So I like
1: this different perspective They're on it. They're
0: human heroes for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode on the two men who saved our butts from nuclear <laughs> war. Um, and we also wanted to say really quickly, cause we obviously just recently launched and we've had really sweet, really nice friends and family giving us like tons of encouragement and feedback. So thank you to everyone that's been sending us like encouraging texts and, dms and everything we really appreciate it and if you could do us the favor of rating the podcast and subscribing and the reason we ask for that the reason that podcasters tend to ask for that is that's how people find other people find the podcast people that we have not just like emotionally blackmailed (laughs) to listen to our show um can find it and maybe hopefully fingers crossed enjoy it as well
0: yeah, I mean, our goal is just to make your daily commute or whatever just a little less crappy.
1: Yeah, you're doing the dishes and you want to hear some weird stuff. We've got your back. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everyone where they can find us again. Bro. Yes,
0: so you can find us on th- in three places. Apple Podcasts, yeah. Google Play, and Spotify.
1: Right, and then our website is historyforweirdos.com. If you have a cool weird history story... Um, please email us at history4weirdos at Mm -hmm. gmail.com because we're always open to hearing different ones and different perspectives. And you can follow us at Instagram, Mm -hmm. at history4weirdos. That's right, yeah. Um, Twitter, same, same. Same. And TikTok. TikTok. We we haven't started it yet, but eventually we're going to get...
0: We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But we have an account. Yeah, it's at history4weirdos.
1: Yeah, So thank you so much, and uh, goodbye, weirdos.
0: Bye, weirdos. Thanks for listening. And until next time.